Welcome to A Farther Room. I want to cut right to it today. No music, no sound effects today. Just more or less a confession to you. I mentioned during a previous episode I have tried to perfect the art of asking myself the question, what if I'm wrong? I also told you early on in the pod I was going to be honest with you when I don't know something. This is one of those times. I went back and forth on doing this episode. Firstly, because I know everybody is being constantly inundated with info about coronavirus. And frankly, it's easy to get tired of it. Secondly, it seems like a lot of people in media are trying to get in on this and put out content related to it. I'm not trying to make this about me. And I wouldn't want people to think that. Hence, I thought about not doing it. But after thinking about it more, I think some people may find value in what I'm about to say. Please hear me out on this. When we first started hearing about all this in the news, here was my stance. This is stupid. This is way overblown. There's no real reason to cancel anything. Every time I heard about cities being quarantined, I thought it was knee-jerk and unnecessary. My basic position was, we don't need to panic. This is one of many respiratory viruses out there. This will just run its course and then it will be over. Of course, nobody ever wants anyone else to get sick, at least reasonable people, that is. I wasn't wanting it to happen that people get infected, but I thought, disease is a part of life. We can't stop it, no matter how hard we try. We will always have novel sicknesses like this pop up every now and then. Don't let it interrupt your life. Let's remain calm and it'll be over soon. I want to tell you that over the last three to four days, I've undergone a transformation in some of my thinking on this. I asked myself, what if I'm wrong? I also asked myself, why is it I feel the way I do about it? Why is it that I, and many others out there I have talked to and read on forums and social media, continued to maintain this is overblown and stop worrying about it? There are reasons for thinking that. Some of them are not good reasons, but there are reasons for feeling that way. Firstly, Unless it's in your backyard, it's very easy to dismiss something. Especially early on when we didn't have any confirmed cases in the U.S. It's very much human nature to dismiss it. We're programmed to prioritize worry. Many people have plenty of problems in life already, 
in a novel virus on the other side of the globe is not something I'm going to worry about. That logic is understandable. You may disagree with it, but it is understandable why some people may take that position. Now it's starting to be in your backyard. At the time of this recording, there have been confirmed cases in 38 states in the U.S. Now it's a little harder to dismiss. Another reason I thought the way I did is something I've already touched on. Viral illnesses are an unwanted fact of life. There are many respiratory illnesses out there that are rampant in the winter and early spring. Influenza is one of those is one of the most famous. And this new virus has often been compared to the flu. It's an easy comparison to make because it's what we know. People point out that in our country alone, the flu killed around 34,000 people last year. And sometimes it's north of 50,000 in a particularly bad flu season. In the U.S., at the time of this recording, there have been 29 deaths from the new coronavirus. These are facts. I don't think it's wrong to point this out. It is important, no matter what we are dealing with, to keep perspective at all times. These are valid points to raise. However, there's one problem with it. It's short-sighted. We don't know how many deaths there will be from this. This is a brand new strain of a virus that we have not seen before. We have seen coronaviruses for many, many years, but not this one. There is no vaccine, so we can't prepare anybody for getting it. Also, because it's so new, we are having to figure out everything on the fly. We don't yet know everything there is to know about it because we don't have all the data together. We don't know what the death rate is. Until we are able to collate some good objective data once all this settles, anything we try to say about it is speculation. Some people say, well, the death rate is low. You don't know that. It, depending on what statistic you look at, you look at it's going to vary. And it changes every week because there are more and more and more cases out there. You can't say anything for certain about it because you don't know. Another key thing to know, you have to know this if you don't already, is there have not been very many people tested in the U.S. yet. There's not great information out there on this, but it appears there have only been around 5,000 people tested so far. If that's true, that is nothing. 
I'm here to tell you based on how contagious it appears to be and based on the fact that there have not been widely disseminated testing going on, you can probably bet large sums of money that there are thousands of cases floating around out there that have not been diagnosed in plenty more states than have been identified so far, if not all of them. Have you ever seen a picture of our airspace on any given day in this country? The amount of planes in the air at any one time is mind-boggling. People in every state travel, and they travel a lot. Viruses travel with people. So it's very logical to say we are just seeing the tip of the iceberg on this with the current statistics. The last key reason I think people have been very skeptical of all this is a profound distrust in the news media. If you look at various surveys, the number of people who trust the media is giving accurate information ranges from 30 to 40 percent. Some of you may trust everything that's in the news. And if you do, that's fine. That's your position. But a lot of people disagree with you. There are very good reasons for that. I'm not here to say you can't ever get any accurate news. That's not the point of this episode. The point I'm making is that the American public has, over many years, had a gradual declining trust in the news they're receiving. And there are very good reasons for that. So it is understandable that some people may view all this as just another overhyped narrative being pushed by the media. It drives views. It drives clicks. They want people tuned in. I understand that outlook because I thought that for a little while myself. But I'm here to tell you again, it's short-sighted. I want to begin to close with an analogy. What I'm going to choose as an analogy is going to upset some of my more liberal, liberal friends. And I promise you that's not my intention. I'm using this as an analogy to illustrate a point. And I think this one will hit home with a lot of people who are choosing to be skeptical of all this coronavirus business. From 2016 to early 2019, if you followed a lot of major news media outlets very closely, you would hear it very commonly reported that the President of the United States colluded with Russia in order to throw the election. There were thousands and thousands of people who believed that. Some of them wanted it to be true for various reasons. This claim was investigated by a group of people who were not exactly friendly towards the president. For two years, an investigation was conducted, and at the end of it, the investigation showed no evidence 
that the president colluded with Russia. There are some of you out there that still believe it's true. I'm not trying to ruffle your feathers. You can believe it if you want to. What I'm saying is that it was thoroughly investigated and it was shown not to be true based on that investigation. Therefore, if you still think Trump colluded with Russia, it's because you want it to be true. It's not because you have evidence to support it. Something similar can be said for coronavirus skeptics. The evidence is mounting in front of us that this is a bigger deal than some may have initially thought. It was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization today, I believe. And despite our low statistics of infection in the United States, those stats are going to get bigger. The conclusion I came to for myself after spending a lot of time thinking about this is that if you continue to hold the belief that coronavirus is not a major threat, it's because you want that to be the truth. It's not because you have evidence to support your conclusion. And look, I understand that sentiment. We don't want this. It's going to prove a major inconvenience for a lot of people and for others. This may mean financial ruin. Can you imagine owning a small business or owning a restaurant in a highly infected area right now? Some of you listening may fit that description. You own a restaurant with no customers. Why? Because people are afraid to get out right now. Well, there may be a good reason why you don't have any customers, but the rent is still due. There are a lot of people very stressed about this, and for good reason. A lot of people are in denial over it, I think. They don't want it to be true. So they say things like, This is so ridiculous. We need to ride this thing out, not change anything about our daily lives. This is what we need right now as a nation. We need to have a unified front. We need to come together. I absolutely hate when disasters like a terrorist attack, a natural disaster, or some kind of mass illness like this They're taken and politicized. People use it as an opportunity to point fingers at others. Look, stop with that. We need to be humble and have enough humility to understand that we don't have all the facts on this because the facts are still coming in. They're still yet to be determined. We need to get behind our government leaders. It doesn't matter how much you like or dislike who is in office right now. 
it's in everybody's interest for those people to perform well. We need to put aside our personal pride and agendas, no matter what they are. And we need to all come together and figure out what we need to do to save lives. We have a moral obligation to minimize this if we can. We're watching all this unfold in front of us. We're watching a slow-moving train headed this way. We need to get as many people off the tracks as we can. It's not acceptable to just say, well, it, it will run its course, X thousand people will die, but it'll be over soon. What if we can save some of those people? We live in a day and age of communication, and we need to use all of that information to our advantage here. Do we need to panic? No. I don't think that's advisable in very many circumstances at all. We don't need to panic. We're not very effective when we panic. But we do need to be vigilant. And we need to have a little bit of humility and come together on this. There are some of the brightest minds our country has to offer working on this situation. Let's try to not armchair quarterback everything and act like we're president of the CDC on Twitter. When really, we're just average people who are going through this just like the person next door to us. I hope this is worth it to somebody. I'm confessing to everybody that I had the wrong point of view on this. I had reasons for thinking what I thought, but that doesn't make it right. I wanted to come clean and encourage others who may be skeptical of all this right now. Do some soul searching. Ask yourself why you think what you think. Do you believe something because you want it to be true? Do you have any stats to back up what you think right now other than just how you feel in the moment? If you know somebody who is interested in this topic, or if you know somebody who is being very skeptical about it all right now, let them know about it. Let them know about this. Tell them to give it a listen. Until next time, stay on top of available information. Stay in line with all the recommendations. Wash your hands. Avoid crowded places if you can. Keep the people around the world affected by all this in your thoughts and in your prayers as we move forward.